0: I felt like the Lord actually Lana yesterday was preaching a lot of my message that I wanted to preach today. Because as you guys have known and we went through the conference and 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 just the prophetic words that the Lord was releasing was so incredibly profound. You know, it's like you know how you've you've heard the pro, the prophetic and you've heard the prophecies of what's coming. What do we do when the what's coming gets here? You know, it's just like, "Oh, wait it's here. It's here. You know, what are we going to do? Y'all are so cute. Somebody else take a picture of them. Her arm isn't long enough. <clears throat> um, so when we did the, you know, we were going to do the, thank you, Lisa. Just get everybody behind them. Kind of give me my camera. I'll take a picture of all of you. There it is right there. All right. Thank you. Post that. Hashtag really paying attention in church. <laughs> uh, what's really funny is when I see my leaders have posted during my message, and I'm like, "Um, stop doing that. Um, okay, now where was I? Okay. Oh, the pastor's lunch. Remember I told you we were going to have a pastor's lunch? Guys. God gathered the eagles in this house this past week, there were about 106 pastors or prophets and apostles that gathered in this room, and it was phenomenal. It was people that have been in the ministry for 40 or 50 years in the city, been laboring in the city, and then those that are new to the city, and so it was just a coming together, and and it was so beautiful to watch everybody love each other, to watch everybody honor each other, to watch everybody. I mean, just genuine friendships and genuine love. It was just so blessing to my heart. It was just such a blessing to my heart. And, um... And we had the opportunity, I had the opportunity to really release what the Lord has been saying over the past 25 years. In fact, I don't know if we still have uh, some of the packets available, but we gave packets away of what I read to you last week. Remember when I read to you all of the lists? Well, they were the more comprehensive, fuller words. And so I really encourage you to get those because this is what I told them. I said, just as it was at Pentecost, what happened at Pentecost was that the disciples, the apostles, what they did is they came together in one accord. What that means is that Jesus spoke to them and he said, listen, everything that I've been telling you, all of my words are now about to come to pass. The promise of the father is going to come. I want you to begin to pray because now you're about to receive what I said. Okay. So he's telling them this shift is actually about to happen. Everything that you've been waiting for, for, oh, let me think, uh, 4,000 years is about to be returned to you. So hold on. Because it's about to get crazy. Well, so, the, so what they did is they said, okay, we're going to go to the upper room. And we're going to wait. And we're going to pray. And we're going to say, Father, thank you that your promise is coming. Thank you that you are sending your promise and that now we are in the hour of of rejoicing and celebrating at the goodness of, of of your promise. And so I was telling these pastors, this is what we are called to do. Once we know all of the words, and by the way, all of the words are the same. He's basically saying four things. To us in this city. Number one, there's going to be a revival of love and fire that comes out of this city that's going to spread all over the nations. Isn't that exciting that it's going to be a healing revival and it's going to be a love revival. How many of you want a love revival? Man, I want my heart to be explode with love. And what happens when a love revival hits is that you see people like Jesus sees people. You don't see them according to the flesh, but you see them according to compassion and mercy and kindness and love. And you just can't help but to go and to rescue them because you have the fountain of of, of life in you. And so it's just going to be a glorious time. But anyway, so um, so I was just telling these pastors, you know, this is the way of it. We all need to be praying according to the word and bring what is in heaven down because we're now in the season for this thing to hit. Amen. And I have to tell you, I've received several emails from these pastors, um, just thanking us for having the insight to begin to create this reality. And um, and one of the things that they all said about this house, they said this is a place of excellence. They said we came in and what we saw. It blessed us so much. It was like everything that you did went above and beyond, and we just felt so honored. We felt so loved. And see, that's what a family does. We're hospitable. We bring people in, and we treat them like royalty. I mean, even Kate Waddle designed these prophetic tables. I mean, they came, and they sat down, and and what they did is they looked at that, and they just thought, whoa, wait a minute, and we served them. We we spared no expense. I told my staff, I said, I do not want money to be an issue. I want them to come and be served like kings, and that's exactly what happened, and they realized what was happening there, and that's really who we're called to be. We are called to be people that understand how to be hospitable and to serve people, and as Jeremy said, and treat them like it's Jesus himself walking in here, which it was, and so they were all like blown away by it, and like I said, I've been getting text messages, and this is what they've said, what can we do for you, we just, I mean, they were, they went on and on and on about lunch, you know, and I'm like, uh, it was barbecue, you know, now granted, it was great barbecue with jalapeno uh, cream corn, by the way. And we did have these fabulous pies. I mean, the pies, these Emporium pies. I mean, they were magnificent. Anyway, so, yay. All right. Do y'all like my new um, computer? Isn't that beautiful? All right. So this is what the Lord told me to do. Here's the thing about the shift, right? We all talk about the shift. We all talk about prophetically. But how about I give you some handlebars to hold on to during the shift? Because trust me, during the shift, everybody needs handlebars. Because it's like, whoa, wait, I'm manifesting. Oh, it's what I've been waiting for. But I hate it. I love it. I hate it. I love it. What's happening? <laughs> I am speaking from personal experience. <laughs> right, honey? All right. So turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes. Right behind Proverbs, mm-hmm, Ecclesiastes, so good, how do you spell it, I don't know, okay, Ecclesiastes 3, so I read this book, hold your place right there, so I read this book a long time ago when I was in business, and it's kind of a famous book, and a lot of you who are in the marketplace will, will know this book, it's Who Moved My Cheese, how many of you know that book, right? So um, the scenario in the book is that they did this study on mice, and they found that in a maze, if you put mice in a maze and you put cheese in a certain place, the mice will call around and they will find the cheese. You know, So they had all these mice, not a mouse, but they had mice, and, and so they trained them to go to the same place for provision all the time. They got their water, they got their cheese, they knew where it was, and, and then all of a the sudden they took the cheese and they picked it up and they moved it to a different place in the maze. And what they found was really interesting is that the mice were trained to go to the same place to get the resources, right? They, were, they knew there they were mice of habit, right, and routine. And so uh, very comfortable. Don't we love our routines? Oh, it's just like a big old lazy boy. You get in it, you get the remote, you grab a beer, and you're like, oh, I'm so happy. So anyway, they were in their mice Lazy boys and, um. All of a sudden, the cheese gets moved, and they go back. Then the next day, they go back again. No cheese. Next day, they go back again. They're getting kind of hungry because something something has changed. Well, there are mice that will actually go, huh, it's not here. I think I'll go look where it might have gone. And so they go, and they begin to look through the maze for where the cheese has been moved to. But then there are certain mice that will keep going back to the same place even until they starve to death, and they die. They'll never, ever change. They would rather die than change. And we serve a God that is unchanging, but yet he's always changing. He's always changing our circumstances. See, when I grew up, nobody told me that life didn't go like this. See, I thought that was going to be the trajectory of my life. You know, but it kind of goes like this and it goes like this and it goes like that. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) hold on. And that's just the way it is in the kingdom. And that's what God does. He keeps it fun. He keeps it like an adventure. You know, he takes us up. He takes us down. He takes us around. It's just glorious sometimes. But, uh, you know, that thing I love about God, and I can't remember who said this but I'm going to take it as mine. Is that okay, Jeff? He's, uh, he, uh, this uh, one prophet, he said, you know, God is not interested in your comfort. And I thought, oh, no, that is not good news. <laughs> My... I do most in life is try to guard my comfort zone you know I like to be comfortable I'm not somebody that likes to get in the ocean if it's above a certain temperature like in Hawaii you take me to Hawaii I'm like forget it I'm not getting in that water It's way too cold. I don't care if I'm on vacation. That water is way too cold for me. I will only go in the water in one place in this world, and that's in Florida because you've got, you know, it's warm. Anyway, comfort is very important. And so what we all do is we spend most of our energy assuring that we're going to have the maximum level of comfort, right? I get up in the morning. I brush my teeth, I get dressed, I've got my routine, I'm so comfortable, I get in my car, I, you know, fill up with gas, I go to the grocery store. Oh, boy, this is amazing. I love everything the, just the way it is. <clears throat> but the Lord says in in Ecclesiastes 3, he says, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Where? Under heaven. So there's a time to be born, praise the Lord. There is a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, weep, laugh, mourn, dance, to cast away stones, to gather stones, embrace, to refrain from embracing, to gain, to lose, to keep, to throw away, to tear, to sow, to keep silent, to speak, to love, to hate, to war, to peace. Okay, I think that just about covers it. I think we can go home now. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. He's saying, listen, it's really important that we understand the season that we're in. And then he gives us a promise afterwards. He tells us, hey, here are all the seasons that you're going to flow in. And then he says this in verse 9. What profit has the worker from that which he labors? All right, so he's talking about labor. He's talking about money. He's talking about provision. I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. The God-given task that you're to be occupied with, and you have to know the season that you're in so that you can function in the God-given task that he is, He is uh, uh, ordained for you to be functioning in, And you're going to function in it in different ways in different seasons. And then he says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. There is eternity in your heart, except that no one can find out the work God has done from the beginning to the end. So he says, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but I am going to show you the chapter. You will know the season that you're in because I will never leave you without prophets in the land who will say, here's the season that we're in. Now you align yourself with that season so that you can fully prosper in the God-given task, the eternity that's written on your hearts. I know that nothing is better for them. Than to rejoice and to do good in their lives. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is a gift from God. A gift of God, I'm sorry. Listen, he's saying that if you will flow in the seasons that God has prepared and you'll understand the season that you're in and if you will respond to that change, then what will happen is not only will you prosper in the eternity that is written on your hearts and your God-given work that you are called to do in this earth, but you're actually going to enjoy the fruit of your own labor in that time. That not only will you prosper in in the highest of heights during that season, but you're actually going to have a great time doing it. And fun, for me, is pretty high up there on priorities. I mean, if I'm going to do it, I might as well have a good time doing it, right? God didn't call us to be miserable. He called us to have joy. All right. So knowing the season that we're in helps us to break down, build up, dance, weep, prosper, build, gather, sow, and harvest. Knowing and flowing in these seasons will bring great increase and joy. There has been a shift in this season, and we have to leave the ways of yesterday behind. Okay, and we have to begin to build according to the new blueprint, the new wine. What does he do? He cannot put new wine in old wineskin because he said, You've got to have a fresh. Understanding, you've got to have a fresh understanding of how to function in this new way because the way that he's bringing is not the way that it was. Okay, and and if we don't make the shift, then it's going to be really difficult for us and we will lose the joy and we won't prosper to the fullest measure that he has for us. Okay, yay! All right, so we're leaving the wilderness, and that's pretty much uh, in a nutshell what everybody said, and I, as I told these pastors, I said, the shift happened when the tornadoes hit, because the Lord told me the year before, and I released a word to the body of Christ, I think it had like 70 plus thousand, 78,000 hits on YouTube, the word was that these tornadoes and these twisters were going to hit Dallas, and when they did, we would see them coming up from the south, which never happens, you know, you know, tornadoes go that way, they go west to east. Okay, because of the way they swirl, they go west, and so you don't usually see tornadoes going south to north, but they were going south to north. Okay, and so there were eleven of them. Eleven is it means shift in the spirit. Eleven tornadoes in December, which never happens, touched down in this city. And I felt it in the spirit. I felt it. I, there was a huge sound. When a tornado comes, it makes a sound. And it, there was a huge sound in this city that just began to, to uh, break down all of the old waste places. And it began to give birth to the new. And we felt it in our spirits. And we knew that we were, we were there, that we are now on the on-ramp of the new the old has, been, has passed away, and so that's why everybody's feeling a little unsettled because everybody knows it's here, but they don't exactly know how to grab hold of it, you know, and prosper. <clears throat> so we're coming out of the wilderness. Now, the wilderness had a rhythm and a routine, right? So what God did in the wilderness is he really provided for you in the wilderness, and it's a different kind of providing. You know, he's like, okay, um, I'm going to rain manna down from heaven every day. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go out and gather what you need for that day, right? And, uh, oh, by the way, I'm going to throw in a couple of, of, of birds that you can then gather as well because, you know, I know you guys hate the carbs. So, um, and then, wait, I'm going to, you know, strike that rock and water's going to come flowing out. And I'm going to work on your behalf because I understand. I understand. I'm going to help you out. You've been in the wilderness. I'm going to feed you. Okay, but when the shift comes and you get out of the wilderness, what happens? you got to function in a new way, just like they did, the wilderness wanderers. <clears throat> so here's what you have to do. Uh, in the wilderness, we were gatherers, all right? But when we are starting to go into the promised land, we're warriors. Now, a gatherer and a warrior function in different ways. So we have to change, we have to move, we have to fight, we have to take territory, we have to settle into homes, we have to divide the spoil, we have to increase and we have to multiply. It's a little bit different than what they did just gathering. We're gathering, we're gathering the seed, we're gathering the seed, we're gathering the seed, right? Planting and harvesting looks really different. Sowing a seed, gathering the seed, or, 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 or going out to get the harvest looks completely different. Your job description has now changed because the season has changed. All right, so they went from being provided for to being provided with. See what I'm saying? So they were being provided for. Everything was being given to them. And now he's he's saying, okay, now you are going to be provided with me. You are now going to co-labor with me to go out and get the harvest. And what that requires from you is fearlessness, courage, boldness. There are six things that cause us. Oh, wait, let me back up before I go there. The other example is Joseph's storehouse. The people of Egypt were accustomed to a certain amount of harvest. And so they got enough harvest to eat for the day. You know, it was just an average. It was an average harvest that they would bring in every year. And then, um, then the Pharaoh got the, the dream, right? And Joseph interprets the dream, and he says, Listen, we're actually going to have seven years of plenty. And it's not so that it's this, this plenty is not for us, but the plenty is for the seven years of lean that's going to come. And so he understood that he was actually, that they were actually going to co-labor with God to be the providers of the lean years. And so they knew that that they had to function in a different way and they had to take with what God was providing and do something different with it. So not only were they going to be functioning in a different way, they were going to be doing with what they got in a different way. So they were going to be listening to God for the strategy of heaven so that they could be providers in the day to come and not consumers. Okay? All right, so here are six things that cause us to die in the wilderness while another gets the prize. Number one, we have our habits and our routines, and like that mouse, we're like, no, 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 I'm not going to go look for the new cheese. Wait somebody moved my cheese, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to keep waiting for somebody to come and bring my provision. Just because something has always been doesn't mean that it will always be. Uh, <clears throat> the other thing is fear and finances. I'm telling you, if you have a fear, if, you have a, if, if there is any emotion that you have around money, I'm telling you you need to let us cast that out. If money is something that is predominantly on your mind for good or for bad, you need that is a demon. Because the Lord is your provider, not you. He very clearly said, "I'm going to take care of you." I've asked you to co-labor with me, but listen, don't you don't need to worry about money. You don't need to worry about Oh, what am I going to do with what I have? I don't know. What am I going to do with what I have? I've got to hold on to it because I may not have enough. And I may, if there's any kind of striving around money, it's demonic because it's fear. That's why being generous in giving into the kingdom, sowing into the kingdom, it allows our heart to be set free. Um. One of the two primary things that the Lord had me tell the churches or the houses of prayer that we're helping to plant in um, Honduras. One of the two things he said, tell them. He said, talk to them about giving and talk to them about their words because both are a curse. You will curse yourself with your words and you will curse yourself with your money. If you don't know how to be generous and hospitable in giving of your money and if you don't know how to be generous and hospitable with your words, those two things will stall you and they'll keep you from growing in God. Um, okay, so the other is intentional disobedience and partial obedience. Talking ourselves out of obedience and rationalizing through being realistic. Okay, I'm going to hit some men here right between the eyes. Sorry about that. Um, Men and women are actually made differently in the way that they process information. Men have, they compartmentalize information. Um, Women... The, the, the all of the, what happens in our brains happen all at the same time, all the time, which, is, which it means we're good at multitasking, but we're highly emotional. And we're always thinking and always talking and always processing. So it's like. <laughs> but men are like, I mean, they actually have brain caves. I don't know if you know this, but they actually can like go home. And they power down. Women never power down. But they, but, they can, but they categorize things in their brains. And so if something is changing or moving in one area, they're like, whoa, stop everything. Don't move. I've got to figure this out. I got to go over to this other part of my brain. I'm just going to camp out here for a while. Typically, it's the cave. I've just got to power down. Mm. This could take a while. And then it powers back up, and then it's like, okay, I got the plan. See, John and I are very different. He's he's very he's a teacher, pastor. I'm the apostolic prophetic, and and the way that I the the, the thing that my litmus test is that uh okay, is it going to be fun? That's my. I mean, seriously, this is my life litmus test. You know, is it going to be an adventure? Wait, there's a building on fire. Let's go. And John is like, wait, there's a building on fire. We need a plan because the, things are changing and we need to come up with a plan. And I'm like, plan? Let's just run to it. So, you know, you need both, but, but they're different, right? Amen. I know, right? <laughs> All right, turn in your Bibles to uh, Luke 14. And I want to talk to you about the parable of the Great Supper. Oh, oh, no, there were two. uh, uh, On each one of those, it came, uh, okay, number one was habits. Number two was routines. Number three is fear. Number four is finances. Number um, five is intentional disobedience. And number um, six is partial obedience. Don't talk yourself out of following God in this season. I'm telling you, it is not going to be good. And here's why. Because the great supper has been, the table's been set. The table has been set. And it's time to go and begin to eat of the harvest. It's time to go. All right. Luke 14, verse 16 through 24. Jesus said to him, A man was giving a big dinner. I I don't know what version this is, but um, I think it's New Living Translation. A man was giving a big dinner and he invited many guests. And at the dinner hour, the dinner hour, the dinner bell rang. That's what's basically happening right now. The dinner bell is ringing. He sent his servant to tell all of those who had been invited, Come, because everything is ready now. It's time, the shift has come, everything's ready. I've been working and preparing this feast for my people because now they're coming out of the place. And I've got, um, look at this glorious food that I have made. And But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have purchased a piece of land. And I have to go out and see it. Please consider me excused. And another one said, I've purchased five yokes of oxen, and I am going to go try them out. Please consider me excused. And another one said, I have recently married a wife, and I'm not leaving her. Um, Okay, that's not in there. Um, And for that reason, I am unable to come. So the servant came back and reported this to his master. And his master, the head of the household, became very angry. At the rejections of his invitation. And he said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes and the cities and bring in here the poor and the disabled and the blind and the lame. Because they'll come. Then the master told the servant, go out into the highways and among the, and no, wait, 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 wait. Um, And the servant, after returning, said, sir, what you have commanded has been done and there is still room. Then the master told the servant, go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled with guests. For I tell you, not one of these who are invited and declined will taste my dinner. See, here's the thing. <clears throat> now, granted, this is, you know, all about coming into the kingdom. But but for this purpose, it really does work. Because when, when, when how we function changes, um, and the Lord is saying, I'm sending out an invitation. The invitation has come. Now, he doesn't force us to go into the promised land. And the thing is, is that we have to realize that when the invitation has been presented to us, and it's time to function and operate in a new way, he has a B player. And that B player will take your spot. I mean, and that's that's the thing. That's what we have to realize, that he is going to have his way because the, the, the beauty of the kingdom is that it's not about you. It's about him. He wants to do it with you, but if you reject this shift in this season, he says, fine, I'm, I'll find somebody else. I'll go and find the poor in spirit. I'll find the one that says yes no matter what their life looks like. Because if, it, because if it challenges us to have to change the way that we live, the way that we function, and even though we have everything in the earth going on. And all three of these scenarios were, in, were when people were being blessed in the earth. They were like, no, 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 I'm, I'm actually in a really good time right now. I mean, things are really popping for me. And that's when he said, Come look! I just found my love. I'm in this wonderful time of of having this love affair with this new wife, and it's so good. I can't come. And the other is, I just got all these new oxen. It's so good. I can't really come. And the other is is what was the other one? Uh, I have houses or uh, land. I have. I just got all this land. I can't come. The earth was was. It was, they were loving their lives more than the invitation. And that's what they, that's what they did, you know, uh, in the wilderness when they first uh, had an opportunity to go into the promised land. They were like, wait, I love my slavery more than I love um, uh, the, the harvest and the plentiful. Um, now, this isn't going to be easy. But it is going to be fun. Because what's happening is grace is being poured out for the new way. And so here is what I feel like uh, the Lord said. Here's how do you handle the change. First of all, when you're in a season of functioning in a new way, pray. And say, God, give me the grace for this. The number one thing that he is requiring from us is a yes in our hearts. No matter what it looks like, my life is yours. No matter whether I have a field, I, I just bought a field. No matter whether I have, um, you know, my business is is doing well or whatever. No matter whether I just married um, a new wife. You know, how many of you, when you get a new wife, I mean, I I don't know. I didn't see any of my kids for like a year. It was like a year to the day. They just locked themselves away and, oh, well, anyway. <laughs> You know, and fell in love. That's what it's all about. Keep saying yes. Listen to the prophets. So that's the third thing. Listen to the prophets. Number four, get ready to change. Ask for the grace to build and move in a new way. And number five, five, go find that cheese. Go find that cheese. And I'm telling you, we're talking about Havarti people. We're talking about brie with like some wonderful Chipotle jelly spread over it. I mean, this is gonna be delectable. This is not cheddar. This is not Swiss dry and choking it down. I mean, this is gonna be delectable. This is gonna be the, our finest hour, like the Lord showed me back in August. You know, this is your finest hour. You gotta go get the gold, you gotta go get it. The fields are white. Go. Go, go. He's been telling me for three years, go. And I said, I'm not going to go and make a way for myself. My gift will make a way for me. And so when that door finally opened, I knew that I had now entered into a new place and a new season, that I now had a new rhythm that I had to get into with the Lord, and that if I would say yes, then he would give me the grace, and he would give our family the grace to begin to, to uh, prosper in that way. And here's the other thing I want you to know. When you do this, expect a tremendous reward, more than you can hope or imagine. Because the kingdom of heaven is like having a gun that you shoot and then you load it with bullets. I don't understand it. But he's like, you step out and then I'll bring the blessing. You step out, and then I'll bring the blessing. And you're like, well, this is kind of inconvenient because, you know, I got all this other stuff going on. You step out, and the blessing will come. You step out, and all of those things that have been promised to you will now begin to be added to you because I've got to see that you're willing to have the faith to do it because what is God coming back to the earth for? He's, he said, when I return, will I find faith in the earth? And so he's after a bride that said, I believe no matter what. Amen. All right. So here's what I want to do. I want everybody to stand up. I'm going to pray over you for the grace, for the shift, to begin to function and operate and find your new routine in the new routine of life. You are not an organization. You are an organism. An organism is always changing and growing and, and growing and growing and growing. We went through a season over the past, oh gosh, 15 years of being trimmed and being refined what happens when you are not in the fire anymore and you come out shining? It's a new way to function. You're like, oh, it's so weird. I'm not like being charred and clipped on all the time. Things are actually now beginning to happen, but they will begin to happen as you begin to move. Yeah. God, I rem- uh, Reinhard Bonnke said the Lord will pull you out of a pit, but he's not going to lift you out of a lazy boy. <clears throat> I love that. So, Father, I do. I just thank you right now. Lift your hands right now. Holy Spirit, would you come and release the grace for change? Come and release the grace for change. And, Father, everybody that's manifesting right now, I pray that you would come and pour out just your oil of gladness, your oil of joy, your oil of provision. Father, would you Come and pour out kindness and mercy. Father, would you pour out love? Father, I thank you, God, that your that your leadership is perfect and we don't have to be afraid of following you in a new way. In Jesus' name, I break off all fear that is crippling your people to handle this shift. I release a running, a running, a soaring, an explosion of his way, of his provision, of his light, of his love. In Jesus' name, amen.